0: If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. If you trust in God, you shall live. God has set before you fire and water. To whichever you stretch out your hand will be given to you. Before man are life and death, good and evil. Whichever you choose shall be given to you. I start out my homily tonight with these words because... For the last few months I have been extremely troubled, actually since the pandemic. I've been extremely troubled by where I see not only our country but by where I see pretty much of the world and Western world going. I see quite a bit of moral and civilizational decadence and it's getting worse and worse. Now today I want to talk to you, I'm supposed to be talking to you about DSF and I am going to bring that in at the very end. DSF if you don't know is the Diocesan Services Fund, but that's going to be like the last minute of what I have to say, because the reason I I will arrive at DSF as a little part is because I'm 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 taking what I would consider a thirty thousand foot view of how this. DSF fits into the catholic church fits into the culture fits into the world and the, I will let, I will tell you right now what I think the the my my thesis is what I want you to take away from what I'm about to say and that is that we are currently and I will talk, I have not I understand a lot of what I'm going to say is going on in Europe and in, in different places of the world, Canada, uh, several places in Latin America. But I'm gonna focus, I'm gonna say our country, when I can mean also the rest of the, the world. But we're going through right now the most polluted the most polluted cultural environment uh, that I have seen in my 73 years, uh, that's how old I am, the most polluted cultural environment that I have ever seen. And my thesis for this homily is that the only solid structure that has any chance of standing in the midst of what is going, what is, act, what is turning out to be, the liquefaction, or shall we say the melting of all solid cultural institutions and institutions of value, that the only, the only, institution that I see having the ability to survive what's happening is the Roman Catholic Church. Folks, uh, I know that this may sound weird, but, but see, here's my point. I do a lot of research. I think you guys know, most of you know that I'm on the radio on Sunday nights and I have to spend a lot of time talking about religion and culture I spend on, on Sunday nights from 8 to 9 on KNTH, um, in, in, on AM radio. And I, I'm joined there by a, a Jewish rabbi and a Baptist minister. And we talk about what's going on from the perspective of our own faiths. And so I have to do a lot of research, and I do a lot of research, and I do a lot of reading because my my obsession is how do you preach the good news or the gospel of Jesus to the things that are going on right now? And so part of it, and actually this is part of what the Bible tells us to do, is to watch for the signs of the times. And the signs of the times is what's really got me worried. Worried in a sense, but not worried in another sense, because, as I have said to you, I believe that the only institution that will not be severely affected, it will be affected, but not severely affected, by this, by the cultural poison in which we are swimming, is the Roman Catholic Church. Because other churches, good as they are, do not have the solid structure that we are. I don't care what you think about Pope Francis or not Pope Francis or Benedict, conservative, liberal, that's not. I'm talking about the fact that the Roman Catholic Church has survived and will continue to survive because the, because the Spirit of Jesus is with us. And the solidity of the Catholic Church is the one thing that I see not melting before what's going on with the cultural meltdown that's going on. Now that's my thesis. And that's why I'm going to ask you at the very end to make sure that you become more Catholic than you are. To make sure that you support the church in whatever way you want. Ultimately, I'll go down to see DSF. But the issue is... Look, a few months ago, I mean a few weeks ago, we had the gospel. And the gospel was, remember, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But what if the salt loses its taste? Then what is it good for? And then I went on to describe what I felt was, well, not felt, what is in the last century, the most murderous century that has occurred in the history of humanity. Between World War I and World War Two, Nazism, Stalin, Germany, Mao Zedong, and it goes on and on, millions of people. And this all occurred, folks, mostly on Christian territory. Have we lost the taste of salt? Have we lost the saltiness that makes the world in need of flavor? And and as we face now, forget the last century, look at what we're facing now in the culture. It's interesting because I was thinking about it while I was, while I was, preparing for this homily, think about what's going on today. Every time I read the news and I turn on the television, I hear all kinds of stuff about progressivism. No, we are progressive, progressivism. The only problem is we don't know where the hell we're going. We don't know where the hell we're going. And by the way, I use the word hell there very appropriately because it is, I believe, partly, and I I am, I'm a pretty abstract theologian, so I don't say, I don't always do what they used to do on Saturday Night Live, which was, the devil made me do it, but I think that the devil is behind a lot of this, and what's going on with this progressivism that i that's the umbrella, because we have come to the position, and it's actually a fulfillment of what the what the church has called long has called original sin, because original sin is basically the humanity, humanity's disconnection from God and humanity being able humanity being able to reinvent itself without having any limits on its freedom to become what we want it to be, regardless of what God wants. And so we end up, and we're going into that place, called to be a spiritual Frankenstein. What is a spiritual Frankenstein? Who's Frankenstein? Frankenstein is a man-made man. And that's who we're turning out to be. And we're not even slowly understanding what's happening to us. Think about this. Every, every, think about every, everything that's going on right now. Everything that's, anything that is good about Western civilization is being melted down. History is all racist. It's all racist. Uh, mathematics is racist science, poetry, uh, everything that we uh, that we have built up, statues are being to- torn down. Because slowly what's happening is the cancer that has fastened itself to the body of culture is beginning to chew it, chew it, and chew it. And our, another way of looking at it is that the culture is being liquefied. Things that we used to think are were solid now are not solid anymore think about this we're walking around on television constantly I don't know if any of you saw for example did you see any of you see the Grammys if you didn't see the Grammys I didn't see it but I read about it and then I watched the clip they had they had a satanic a satanic exhibition of of a, and it was glorifying a satanic exhibition of a song. It, 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 the song is called Unholy and people were applauding, applauding, applauding. Red devils everywhere. And then brought to you by Pfizer. Then I watched the the, the President of the United States. I watched him on television giving his, his talk on the State of the Union. And on the State of the Union, he praised abortion. Praised abortion. And this is our Catholic president. Now, please understand, I'm not here talking about Democrat or Republican. I'm talking about a man who calls himself a devout Catholic. And he praises abortion. And about a party that senators were wearing pins that says, I love abortion. Think about all of that. And, and then, on top of that, we got constantly sports, college sports are being, anytime you have any conservative person speaking, there, any conservative is drummed out of the universities. And the only thing we have are constantly progressive attitudes. Progressive, we don't know where the hell we're going, but we're sure progressing. Today, nobody, or not I shouldn't say nobody, but most people can't answer, what is a woman? Because the moment you say that a woman is a woman, is, has woman parts, you're transphobic. You're homophobic. In other words, the moment you stand against any of the progressive stuff, You begin, you are called, when anybody calls you phobic, they're calling you insane. They're saying you are mentally ill. Phobias are mental illness. The moment you start having a reasonable discussion about good and evil, you are brushed aside as being mentally ill. That's what happens in communist countries. That's what happens there. You're not a communist, you must be mentally ill. Now we don't put you in prison. You know what we do? We cancel you. Nobody should believe you anymore. You're a disgusting phobic, and you're standing in the way. And you can, folks, I could go on and on, rejecting history, everything, every, at the moment you're a white male, you're evil. You're evil. It's all about oppressor and oppressed. Okay? If you're not, we got, do you realize how many, uh, that transgenderism has gone up almost by 60%? In the '50s, there were like 1 or 2% of kids, kids, and now we have places in the United States and in Europe where 50% of the kids in school are, are, are identifying as transgender. You know why? Because we're that, those are the only people we praise. Oh, you're transgender. Yeah, yeah. We support you. It, it, you know, gen, not only that, I, I found this tremendously interesting. The defense when you start saying women are women and men are men and you refer to the genitals by Because what basically they say they say these days is a doctor assigned you at birth to be a man or a doctor assigned you to be a woman And the moment you say well, yeah, because you had male or female genitalia Oh, you know, what's the 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 criticism now you're obsessed with genitals And genitals are not the mark of a man or a woman the way you feel inside it's totally fluid whatever you feel inside is what you are now folks i'm painting to for you a horrible picture and you know why because it is because if and now i'm going into the catholic stuff if the catholic church the catholic church The Catholic, I'm I'm not a super conservative Catholic, but let me tell you, the Catholic Church is the only church that has the structure to withstand what's coming down the pike. It's the only one. Because every other institution, marriage, now we have gay marriage, God only knows if we'll have polygamy and polyamory in the future, and and we have all kinds of you know, I've read about people marrying their dogs and their computers, and marriage is melting, the family melting into this mesh of nothing. And the Catholic Church is the only church. That has the structure to be able to withstand it. Now, let me tell you a little bit of my theology that I, I, love, I love, part of why I love the Catholic Church. You know, a lot of us stand and argue about, you know, the, the hierarchy this and the hierarchy that, and, you know, and I'm, no, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the hierarchy, but let me tell you why I think it's so important. The hierarchy of the Catholic Church, and the, the by hierarchy I mean the Pope and the bishops and the priests and the, the organization of the church. That is part... The the, the, the the church is the body of Christ, right? The church is the body of Christ. What is a body composed of? Flesh and skeleton. I want you to imagine... The body of a human being. I want you to imagine the body of a human being without a skeleton. What's the body of a human being without a skeleton? Goo, jello, pudding. What does a skeleton do? A skeleton gives you shape a skeleton is a hard object that is not liquefied. A skeleton helps you to interact and to resist. The Catholic Church has a double mission. We have the double mission which is to affirm and to resist. Think about an animal, for example. An animal has to constantly interact with its environment by affirming and resisting something. If an animal doesn't resist anything, he's a dead animal. And yet at the same time, if he does not accept, he's also a dead animal because he has to accept and restrict and reject. The Catholic Church is like that. If you constantly see, for example, Pope Francis, or any pope or any bishop, making decisions about what to affirm, what to reject, it's because that's their job. That's what makes the Catholic Church solid. Every time we reject something, people don't break off and say, oh, I'm going to start my own church. The bishop, the cardinal can do something, and I can say, I can disagree with the cardinal. I'm going to start the Mario church across the street. And that's what most Protestants do. You don't like it? I don't like it. Let's form different churches. And that's what's called liquefaction. You're slowly melting away into nothingness. And the Roman Catholic Church is the only one who has the structure Not to be able, not to do that. And why? Because it's got a skeletal structure that was put in by Jesus. Because it has a shape. And because it can resist as well as affirm. And so, folks, I don't know, I mean, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Maybe all of this is just a tirade but let me tell you why I'm on a tirade because unless we Catholics unless we step up unless we step up and I'm not just talking about money that's part of it because the structure of the church is the diocese and the parish look at what our job is our job in this parish and the job of every other parish is to affirm and resist, to accept and resist. That's what the diocese does. We're all one body. All these parishes are in one diocese, and the diocese runs this humongous monster of 150 parishes and multiply that to all the dioceses of the United States and the world. This monster is the body of Christ affirming and resisting. And we may not always like what different popes or priests affirm or resist, but by God, at least we're affirming and resisting. And we hope that the Spirit of Jesus is counting on us, helping us along. So, now I get to the DSF. So why does the DSF fit into this? It's part of the skeleton. You know, I, I, I've got to talk about the DSF, but you don't get it unless you understand how it fits into the whole thing. You have to, please understand this, you have to, first of, first of all, not lose your saltiness. Why do I constantly preach and teach about to you that you need to continue your Catholic education? You know, as a Catholic... Do you even know what you stand for? Or it's like sometimes, you know, a lot of times people say stand up, muscle up, and speak up. Well, sometimes when you don't know anything, I'd rather you stand up, muscle up, and shut up. Because you don't know Jack. And a lot of times what ends up happening is you end up giving bad information because you're you're not a very well-educated Catholic and that is what by the way folks that's what's called culpable ignorance culpable ignorance is when you have the ability to continue to educate yourself on the faith faith but because of your freaking laziness you don't do anything and that's culpable and so folks begin take seriously look if if our society is going to be is going to be moved in any positive way, I, I, other people are doing it too. But the Roman Catholic Church and we are the Roman Catholic Church has to be there, and most of all, we have to be there by having an educated educated people, so that you can explain what it's what is the truth when you're at work. When you're with your friends, you also need to be able to be able to stand. Why do you think every every week we have uh, we have a moment of silence for, about persecution? Because I'm expecting you to be persecuted. Woe to you when this is Jesus. Woe to you when everybody speaks well of you. For so they 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 spoke of the false prophets. Woe! Take it seriously, folks. This is not about sweet Jesus. This is about... There's a, never mind, we're in church. Uh, but get... Buckle up, for God's sake. Stand up. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere. Otherwise, we're just swirling around the tank and it's going down. What if salt loses its taste? It's good for nothing. Nothing. So... That's the personal. Your personal holiness, your personal education. Then come together with other Christians. Come together with other Catholics and stand up. Support your church. What do you think we're trying to do here? You know, why do we have all this stuff? We have all this stuff so that we can teach... You'd be surprised. God, I teach juniors and seniors every Sunday. They're stupid. They're wonderful kids. I love them. I call them my cucarachas. But they don't know anything. And they're they're basically baptized pagans. And, And so we gotta do a better job. Now please understand, I know that I'm preaching to the converted. If you're here on on a Saturday night at four o'clock, you're not here because this is what you wanted to do on a Saturday night. but I all I'm trying to do is to get you teed off. I'm not teed off, probably because I had a conversation last night with a, a young man. Who was just in the utterness of despair about everything that's going on, and all I could do is say, "Yeah, yeah," but the only thing that is, I, I am, folks. I, I, I told him this: I'm not optimistic. This is not going to go well for a while. I'm not optimistic, but I'm hopeful because there's a difference between optimism and hope. Hope takes count of God. It's kind of like the apostles before Jesus got arrested. They shouldn't be optimistic. It wasn't going to end well. He got crucified and died. But they should have been hopeful because the power of God is greater than anything that human beings can do. So, let me try to bring this screwy plane to a landing. Support us. Support each other. Get educated. Now, what's the DSF? Diocesan Services Fund. Why? Because what it does is it tries to do on a diocesan level what well, we try to do it on a parish level. Educate people. Be with people who are dying. You know when people, when I find the peop- most people very open to faith amazing when they're dying. How many times have I been around people dying? Believe me, they don't ask for their Gucci purse when they're dying. You know, they don't say, give me the keys to my Lexus please before I die. They're all of a sudden, where's God? Who's God? Why did they have to wait so damn long? DSF does this. That's why I support it. That's why I remain a Catholic priest. I've been one for 45 years. Because it's the only institution that is God-enabled. It's god sold God knows if it would have been left to us priests, we would have screwed up the church a long time ago. But it's the holiness of God that maintains us going. And so I'm going to ask you to support The DSF. But don't support it just because I'm 10. It's a nice thing to do. But because it's part of the structure. Part of the structure that is critical to surviving as a civilization. It's not the only thing you need to do. You need to get educated. You need to be holy. You need to support your local parish. You need to be involved. And then be part of the church, the body. And make sure that you put in the vitamins that support your skeletal structure. Because that is what's giving form. That's what's giving strength so that we can stand in the midst of the onslaught. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. And I'm going to show you a three-minute video, which is very nice. It'll be a nice break for you since you have had to listen to my tirade for the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes, God only knows. And uh, it's about DSF. And it's nice, but it shows you part of the skeletal structure that your money goes to support. Roll it.
1: opportunities to give today it's easier now than ever before to support our Catholic faith but important questions need to be answered where is your money going exactly and how do you make the greatest impact with your gift when you make a gift to the diocesan services fund you help impact more than a hundred thousand people of all ages involved in the largest private school system in Texas and enrolled in numerous religious education programs. Your gift provides care for the human and spiritual needs of so many, from supporting our families to the spiritual formation of young people and offering dignified care for the elderly, to addressing the needs of different ethnic communities, the differently abled, and fostering respect for the sanctity of life These DSF-supported ministries advance the love of Christ. Your gift impacts the education and formation of men for the priesthood and permanent diaconate and provides direct sacramental and pastoral care, spiritual direction, and fraternal support as they carry out their ministries. Your gift serves the least among us, the poor, the sick, and the incarcerated. DSF-supported ministries provide pastoral and sacramental aid to the disadvantaged, the disabled, and those who are most in need of God's healing grace. Whether comforting refugees or abused spouses, those confined to a prison cell or a hospital bed, these ministries are here to serve. Together, we can pray, give, and minister to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can turn to God, who is the strength of our heart and be his hands and feet to those in need. The gifts we bring to DSF
0: are gifts for the whole church. What we can't do in one parish or in one human heart, the big, big human heart of the archdiocese can do in the multiple programs of diocesan services fund. Whether your gift is small or large, it's your participation that counts. You are what makes DSF-supported Ministries possible. Join me in supporting the mission of our local church today.